For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The 7,000-Year Plan of God. This is part three of the series. So, Isaac, being 60, when Jacob is born, Isaac is a prophetic foreshadowing of the birth of Zion in the end of days. We are told in Psalm 126, that the redemption of Zion is likened unto laughter. And the word laughter there is Yitzhak or Isaac. So when does Zion get born? After 6,000 years of time. It is a tribulation event. We are told in the book of Isaiah. And with the birth of Zion after 6,000 years, we have the birth pains of Zion. And this is why Isaac entreated Yahweh. And there was an inquiry regarding Rebekah's pregnancy because we're told in the scripture that the children struggled within themselves. And them wrestling amongst themselves in the birth is a prophetic foreshadowing of the tribulation, of the birth, ultimately, of Zion, wherein, during that time, the exiles of Israel will return back to the land. And notice, it was in the birth of Jacob that he took hold of Esau's heel. The heel represents the end of days. And so Jacob would get the victory at the heel, at the end of days, when Zion is born, Isaac being 60 years old. Now let's look at the children of Jacob, whom he had through Leah. The first son was named Reuben, Genesis chapter 29, verse 32, and Reuben means see a son. The second child was named Simeon, Genesis chapter 29, verse 33, which means hearing. The third son was named Levi, Genesis chapter 29, verse 34, which means join. The fourth son was named Judah, Genesis 29, verse 35, which means praise. The fifth son was named Issachar, Genesis chapter 30, verse 18, which means wages. And the sixth son was named Zebulun, Genesis chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, which means dwell. But the seventh was a daughter, and her name was Dina, Genesis chapter 30, verse 21, which means judge. Let's look at the names of these children. See a son and hear him. You will be joined to him, and he will give you praise. 
Judah is the fourth son. Yeshua came from the tribe of Judah, and he came after 4,000 years of time. And then we have wages. And so we can look at this, that Yeshua had to pay the price when he died on the tree to forgive the sins of the nation of Israel. But also we have the nation of Israel itself being exiled into worldwide captivity, their wages. And then after 6,000 years of time, the nation of Israel will rule and reign and dwell with the Messiah. And Messiah will judge with Israel redeemed, who is likened unto a daughter. He will rule and reign with Israel redeemed and judge over the nations once Messiah sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives and sets up his kingdom. Now let's look and see, given this principle that the end is communicated in the beginning, let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 and see how we're told that the creation took place over seven days. But the seventh day of creation, it is said, Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 and 2, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. So because we're told the end from the beginning, there are seven Seven days, we're told, of creation. Psalm chapter 90, verse 4, we already view that each day in creation represents a thousand years of time. And the seventh day of creation, which is the Sabbath, foreshadows and personifies the last 1,000 years of time of this world, which we call the Messianic era. That is when Messiah is going to be revealed and rule in all the earth. It's his day. That's why it's called the day of Yahweh or the day of the Lord and Yeshua is Yahweh. The seventh day Sabbath of creation foreshadows the last 1,000 years of time or the Messianic era. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8 quotes Psalm chapter 90 verse 4 as it is written, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with Yahweh a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Then Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 says, But the day of Yahweh. Don't be ignorant that one day is with Yahweh a thousand years and a thousand years is one day but the day of Yahweh. So if he says don't be ignorant that one day is with Yahweh a thousand years and a thousand years is one day and then he says but the day of Yahweh how long is the day of Yahweh? It's a thousand years. Now we're told how the day of Yahweh will arrive. It will come as a thief in the night. The day of Yahweh comes in the night. What are we going to call the end of days? The night time of the end of days. Remember each day in creation each day in creation, we're told, has an evening and a morning. That means the day of Yahweh, or the Messianic era, has an evening and a morning. What's the evening part of the Messianic era, or the day of Yahweh? We commonly call it the tribulation period, which is a time of darkness upon the earth. Therefore, the day of Yahweh comes as a thief in the night. The Sabbath is the seventh day. Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh Day is the Sabbath of Yahweh your Elohim. The seventh day Sabbath is called the day of the Lord or the day of Yahweh. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy 
day and called the Sabbath the delight, the holy of Yahweh honorable. So the Sabbath is called my holy day. The Sabbath is called the holy of Yahweh or the Sabbath is called the day of Yahweh. And it is during the Messianic era that the Messiah is going to rule and reign. It's his day. It's the day of the Messiah. So if that day is called the day of Yahweh, then Yeshua is Yahweh. Let's look at some scriptures that show us that the seventh day Sabbath or the Messianic era or the day of Yahweh begins with darkness or tribulation. Isaiah chapter 13, verses 6 and 8. How ye, for the day of Yahweh is at hand, it will come as destruction from the Almighty. They shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails. The day of Yahweh is a time of pains and sorrows. It's a time of destruction. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. The great day of Yahweh is near. It is near and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of Yahweh. The mighty man will cry there bitterly. That day, that is the day of Yahweh, is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. It is during the day of Yahweh when we have Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verses 6 and 7. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail? And all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great. What day? The day of Yahweh. And none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved, redeemed, or delivered out of it. Or in other words, it's during Jacob's trouble where we have the end of the exile of the house of Jacob. Now let's look at events, significant events that we are told happen in the day of Yahweh. In Zephaniah chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 we're told the setting is the day of Yahweh, that it's a day of wrath and trouble and distress, of desolation, darkness and gloominess. We're told in Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 4, for Gaza shall be forsaken. Do you realize that in August of 2005 Jews were removed from their homes in the Gaza? If we interpret that event as Gaza being forsaken, but we also know that Scripture has fulfillment in multiple levels, in multiple manners. But if we interpret that that event is the Gaza being forsaken, then that could be an argument to be made that we are in the day of Yahweh or we are in the tribulation now. However, if that actually were true, I myself, the Bible says we need more than one witness. I myself need to have more evidence. I need more witnesses that we actually are in the day of Yahweh for me to come to the conclusion that we are in the tribulation. So therefore, we need to see happen other events that are also designated and said to take place in the day of Yahweh. And let's look at some of those events. And when these events happen together, I'm going to conclude that we are in the tribulation. And one of those significant events is that the land of Israel in the city of Jerusalem gets divided. Joel chapter 1 verse 15 tells us that the setting of this book of the Bible is the day of Yahweh. Alas for the day. For the day of Yahweh is at hand, and as destruction from the Almighty shall it come. It's coming as darkness. And in the day of Yahweh, we're told in Joel chapter 3 verse 2, I will gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means Yahweh judges. 
and I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted or divided my land. This is an event of the day of Yahweh. And then we're told in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 1, Behold, the day of Yahweh comes and your spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. And in the day of Yahweh, we're told in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2, that Jerusalem will be divided, as it is written. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city will be taken, the houses riveled, and the women ravished. And half of the city will go into captivity. Going into captivity is biblical talk for the people of the God of Israel being exiled, or being taken from Jerusalem. Half of the city of Jerusalem. And the residue of the people will not be cut off from the city. So we have half of the people of Yahweh remaining in part of the city of Jerusalem. We have another part of the people of Yahweh being taken from the city of Jerusalem. I believe that the dividing of the land and the dividing of Jerusalem is fulfilled in our times in the context of a PLO state, wherein they make East Jerusalem the capital of that state. When we see this event, I believe it's going to signify that we are in the tribulation. But then we'll have confirmation of that still, because what's got to come as a result of that is judgment upon the nations in the fall of the Babylonian system in the world. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 3. Then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against those nations. When's he got to go and fight? When in the day of Yahweh that Jerusalem is divided, then he will go and fight against the nations as when he fought in the day of battle. The day of battle is a reference to the day when Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. He is going to fight like he fought in that day. Then we're told in the next verse, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 4, that his feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. So the sequence is dividing Jerusalem, which is the dividing of the land, judgment upon the nations, and Messiah setting his feet down on the Mount of Olives. Now, in the day of Yahweh, we can also see that it's associated with the judgment of the nation. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7 says that the day is great, that is the day of Yahweh, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. So the setting is the day of Yahweh and Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30 verse 7, and in the day of Yahweh and Jacob's trouble, we have the judgment of the nations, as we can see in Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 11. For I am with you, says Yahweh, to save you. Though I make a full end of all nations where I've scattered you, that's the judgment of the nations, yet will I not make a full end of you, but I will correct you in measure and will not leave you altogether unpunished. Notice he's going to correct Jacob. How is he going to correct Jacob? He's got to correct those that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, that they need to follow Torah and they're part of Yahweh's ingathering of the exiles, a task of the Messiah. He's got to correct them to understand this, but then he's going to correct Judah, to, who identifies with Torah, to understand that Yeshua is the Messiah. He's got to correct them and not leave his people unpunished. It's in the day of Yahweh that we have the fall of Babylon, the land of Babylon, and the Babylonian system. Isaiah chapter 13 verse 1. The burden of Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Isaiah 13 verse 6. The setting of this burden upon Babylon is the day of Yahweh. How ye for the day of Yahweh is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Isaiah chapter 13 verse 19. And Babylon the glory of kingdoms shall be as when Elohim overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. So what nation is there in the end of days 
that would be a powerful nation in the day of Yahweh that the world would regard as the glory of kingdoms. I believe it is the United States of America. So we see the judgment that would come upon the United States of America. But why would this judgment come according to the biblical viewpoint? For working to create a Palestinian state, for dividing Jerusalem, for kicking Jews out of their homes... And you know what? There is a very significant and important Torah principle known as measure for measure. Or the New Testament, we understand it as what you sow, you reap. So when the United States seeks to kick Jews out of homes, guess what will happen in the United States of America? Americans will be kicked out of their homes. How can this be? It can be through natural disasters. We've seen Hurricane Katrina. Another way that they can be kicked out of their homes is they can't pay for their homes. It's called bankruptcies. And so they're being removed from their homes. And we would see as well the crash of the world financial system, a crash of the dollar. We will see war upon and in America. And even when we divide the land of Israel, there will be division in this country. The land itself will be physically divided. I believe that there will be a major earthquake in the center of the country that will physically divide the nation. But the people themselves who are living will be divided, will be divided politically, will be divided regarding how we should react and respond to the issues that are going on in this country. Now, during the day of Yahweh, there is also what the Bible calls the controversy of Zion. Isaiah chapter 34, verse 2. For the indignation of Yahweh is upon all nations. What's his indignation upon the nations? It's his judgment of the nations. But why are the nations being judged? For dividing his land, for dividing Jerusalem. And so we're told in Isaiah 34 verse 8 that the time of the indignation of Yahweh upon all nations is also the day of Yahweh's vengeance upon the nation. He's paying them back. And the reason why he's paying them back, it says in Isaiah 34 8, it's the year of recompenses. Recompenses means payback. He's paying back the nations over the controversy of Zion. And the controversy of Zion is, to whom does the land belong? Does it belong to the Palestinians for a PLO state? Or did the God of Israel declare when the Almighty, or El Shaddai, who we know and understand is Yeshua the Messiah, he made covenant with Abraham, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Does the Palestinians, are they the owners of the land? Or is Yeshua the Messiah going to stand up and declare to the world that that land was covenanted to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? I believe that's what he's going to do. And that's what the Bible calls the controversy of Zion. Zion will return to the land of Israel during Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 17. For I will restore health unto you. Restoring health is the end of the exile. And I will heal you of your wound. The wound is the exile, says Yahweh, because they called you an outcast. You know, right-wing, radical extremists. Because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion. No man seeks after Zion. No man seeks after and stands that the way to bring peace to the area is believing the covenant that was made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No one says of the world says that we bring peace to the area if we would just follow the Torah of the Messiah. This is Zion which no man seeks after. However, we're told in Psalm 102 verse 16 that when Yahweh builds up Zion, Yahweh is a reference 
to Yeshua, when he builds up Zion, he will appear in his glory. When will Yeshua return? When he builds up Zion. But what is building up a Zion? Zion and Jerusalem are synonymous terms. Psalm 147 verse 2. When Yahweh builds up Jerusalem, or when he builds up Zion, he gathers together the outcasts of Israel. The building up of Zion, the building up of Jerusalem, is gathering together the outcasts of Israel. So, when Yeshua, Yahweh, gathers the exiles of Israel, which will be during the tribulation, when the world calls Zion an outcast, when they try to divide the land of Israel and divide Jerusalem, which results in the judgment of the nations, that is when Yeshua Yahweh is going to appear in his glory. We can also see that Israel and Judah will return to the land of Israel during Jacob's trouble from Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3 and verses 6 and 7, as it is written. For lo, the days come, says Yahweh, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, says Yahweh, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers and they will possess it. The subject is Israel and Judah returning to the land. And speaking about Israel and Judah returning to the land, it then says in verse 6, that a man is travailing with child. And then it says in verse 7, that day is great. What day is great? The day that Israel and Judah return to the land, which is in the day of Yahweh, the darkness part of the day of Yahweh. No day is like that. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. Israel and Judah will return to the land during Jacob's trouble, during the darkness part of the day of Yahweh. So let's summarize some of the major events of the day of Yahweh, because this is not a complete list. In the day of Yahweh, the Gaza will be forsaken. The land of Israel will be divided through a PLO state. Gaza being forsaken is Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 4. The land of Israel getting divided by the nations of the world is Joel chapter 3 verse 2. Jerusalem getting divided, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 2, which I believe comes about by East Jerusalem being made the capital of a PLO state. It will result in the judgment of the nations, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 3, Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 11, and the fall of Babylon, Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah chapter 21, Isaiah chapter 47, Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, Revelation chapter 18, and all of this is for the purpose of bringing about the end of Gentile rule in the earth and as well the end of the exile of the house of Jacob. So it's the reunification of the exiles of Israel, Ephraim and Judah, who return to the land of Israel, and through this event, the Messiah is glorified. And so in order to have the correct understanding of these events of the end of days, a Hebraic view of Bible prophecy or the end of days, the foundation we need to understand it is the 7,000 year plan of Yahweh. From the time of the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the Messianic era is 7,000 years of time. The God of Israel told us the end from the beginning and so it was in the book of Genesis where he laid out in the creation seven days which foreshadowed 
foreshadows 7,000 years of time and the seventh day that he rested foreshadows the thousand year messianic era. Each day in creation starts in the evening and ends in the morning. Therefore, the day of Yahweh begins in the evening, that is darkness, that is tribulation, and ends in light in the morning when Messiah rules and reigns on the earth. And that seventh day, the messianic era, is the day of Yahweh. It's the day that Messiah, Yeshua, is revealed to the world. It's the day that he sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns with the redeemed of Zion. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, the 7,000-year plan of God. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.